Hello and welcome to the Cynical Podcast, where we take deep dives into the shallow waters of today's blockbuster movies, star-studded films, and most hyped popcorn flicks. We're your hosts, Malika Klesia and Will, and today we are continuing our quarantine miniseries, Tackling the 250. We all seem to have extra time on our hands, so we decided to use that time wisely to catch up on the movies in our blind spots. With IMDb's Top 250 as our guide, we are going to discuss 159, Warrior. You break that fucking leg, Brandon. According to IMDb, here's a summary of Warrior, a film by Gavin O'Connor and starring Tom Hardy, Joel Edgerton, and Nick Nolte. The youngest son of an alcoholic former boxer returns home, where he's trained by his father for competition in a mixed martial arts tournament, a path that puts the fighter on a collision course with his estranged older brother. So this was the first time that I had seen this movie. But more importantly, this is the first time I'd heard of this movie. Will had suggested this for our podcast. And Clay, you too went into this movie blind, correct? Yeah, I'd heard of it, but I'd never seen it. Like I knew Tom Hardy's other roles more like Inception and Ticker Tale of Soldier Spy. So I was like, I don't know what this is about. So I try to go in as blind as possible. And what did you think? I thought it was pretty good, but I'm not sure if it's like a top 250. Like, oh my God. Top 250? I mean, <laughs> guys, above Shutter Island? Will shaking his head. This is one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's amazing. I totally think it deserves a spot in the top 250. I think it's one of the best sports movies of all time. In the, you know, Mount Rushmore is obviously Rocky. And then depending who you ask, it could be a bunch of other ones. I like remember the Titans as a great sports movie. Yes, that's Miracle, what I was of their own. Also Ooh, directed by own. Gavin O'Connor is another great sports movie. But for me, this definitely has to be up there. Creed is also one of my favorites, and it's interesting to compare this movie to Creed. They're both character-driven martial arts movies, combat sports, I guess, not martial arts for Creed. But yeah, mm-hmm. I absolutely love this movie. One of my favorites. And Creed is mostly set in Pennsylvania as well, right? Correct. Yeah. Yeah. So there's definitely some overlap there. Yeah. I actually thought I wasn't going to love this movie considering I'm not someone who seeks out sports movies. I mean, I do love Remember the Titan and and some of the other ones you guys mentioned, of course, but I don't seek them out. And I hadn't heard of this movie. And usually if it's a really fantastic movie, there's some word of mouth, there's some buzz. And I went in completely blind. I didn't look up anything about it. And I was actually blown away. It was really good. I thought the acting was phenomenal. I thought the direction was great. There were some really amazing moments in the script, really emotional. And even the last scene where there's the fight between the two brothers, you don't really know who's going to win. And that never happens in a sports movie, right? And more importantly, you don't know who you want to win because they're both the underdogs in their own way. And I thought it was super clever and really well-crafted. So I'm with you, Will. I don't know if it's going to be one of my favorite, favorite movies, but I'm definitely a big fan of this movie now. So I have to tell the story of the first time I watched this movie. I remember when the movie came out and it was marketed horribly. The marketing was totally targeted to like the UFC bro. And in reality, that's not who would enjoy this movie. And so the first time I watched it was in college a few years later. And me and probably 10 other guys watched this movie together. And most of us watched it for the first time. And throughout the movie, we were debating who should win. Who do we want to win? Who do we want to have the $5 million prize? And the funniest part is at the very end, obviously very emotional. 
we all like the movie ends on the emotional high note and we all are like tearing up and we're just like, all right, see you guys later. Have a good one. (laughs) (laughs) Just like left the house, not talking about the ending because we're just like, my guys don't want to see me cry. So it's so funny that you say that because I found the ending a touch corny and I didn't cry and I wanted to cry, but I don't know. Maybe it was just like I was watching this movie right before the podcast and I was like, I need to get this movie done. There was a little bit of an issue of time constraints, but I don't know. I just, it didn't choke me up. I did like feel feelings, but it didn't make me cry. And I was actually thinking to myself, I wonder if Will cried. (laughs) Every single time I watch this movie, I choke up every time. I also think that about today by the national, the song they play, like as Tommy is kind of tapping out, realizing Brennan saying, I love you, Tommy. Like that music cue is to me an all time music cue in movies. Like the song fits so perfectly with the moment it's Mm -hmm. edited so perfectly around the song and just ends on the perfect note for me. And Every single time those first few notes of About Today start playing, I'm like, oh, shit. Here we go again. <laughs> you know, I don't want you guys to think that I don't like this movie. I actually really did like this movie. And part of why I really enjoyed it was just what you described. Well, I really, really loved the ending. I love the fact that, you know, you didn't know who's going to win, right? It didn't matter who won because it was all about the catharsis of the two brothers kind of they were literally coming to a physical blow over all of the years of things left unsaid and their confrontations and their grief. And I thought that was really beautiful. And I agree that music cue at the end was just so poignant and so fitting. And it was definitely could have veered on the edge of cheesy, but I was absolutely bawling my eyes out. Aaron was just looking at me like I died. Like, what are you doing? Um, but I'm also a sucker for those types of movies. It's like, oh, familiar relationship. Here we go. I'm literally <laughs> getting goosebumps right now just thinking about that scene. Like oh, the way Brennan puts his arms around Tommy and is pushing away the referees, pushing away the reporters as they're exiting the stage, pushing away the military police. Just this is me and my brother finally coming together and we're here for each other now. Oh, it's so good. I love it so much. No, it's really good. And I'm also a sucker for sibling relationship stories. And it brought back a memory when I when we were kids. I have an older brother. And whenever we would fight, I was a little bit stronger than him, even though he was older than me. And I'd always like hit him and be like, don't make me hit you. <laughs> and it just like brought that back to me. And maybe, the, maybe I was distracted by that and it didn't get me to cry. But I love, love, love that the tables have finally turned and I am the dry eyed one. And you guys are like sobbing. <laughs> it's the like the feelings. inverse of me, like a cry watch. Yeah, the Clay and Will cry watch. You guys have feelings too. But actually, I want to talk about a scene that makes that ending work, which is my favorite scene in the movie, is between Tommy and Patty in the hotel room. Tommy and Patty have had this big fight in the casino, and Patty's just like trying to get Tommy to give him an inch. He knows that the situation with the Marines is on his mind, and he just was like, what's going on, son? And Tommy refuses and just completely pushes his dad away. And then that leads Patty to have an alcoholic breakdown and start drinking again after almost a thousand days of being sober. And Up until now, you've only seen Tommy as this really angry, broken man. And finally, you get this glimpse of his humanity and his warmth. And that 
makes that final scene between the brothers make sense. Because if we didn't get that moment, you would be like, where is this coming from? Tommy's just an asshole. Tommy's shut off. Tommy is just a big ball of anger and that is all that he is. But because you see the cracks with his father, I think that payoff is so much sweeter in the end. And it's so important for having that sympathy for Tommy as a character. And even the scene where he's being a dick really hits me hard every time I see it because... You know, the line Tommy says when Patty, Nick Nolte's character, is trying to get him to talk to him, express some emotion with him. And Tommy says, all that stuff already happened. Basically, where were you when I needed it? This is all over. All that's already happened. I needed that when it was going down. But now I am what I am. Like, it already affected me. And, oh, man, it's so strong and compelling to me. And that's why I think it's so good because... Even the relationship with Patty and Brennan, you feel so sorry for Patty in the beginning when he goes to Brennan's house trying to see his grandchildren and see his daughter-in-law. And he's sober a thousand days and he says, Brennan, I just want to have a relationship with you. But you also know that Brennan's been through a lot being Patty's son. And the evidence is there that Patty was not a great guy up to that point. So while you feel sorry for Patty as, you know, this guy who's trying to reach out and make an effort to reconnect with his family, you also understand Brennan's point of view of this guy has mistreated me my whole life. And now when he's in his old age, he's trying to come together, but I can't trust him. That oh, it's so good to me. I like, I really think this movie is perfectly cast. The acting is amazing. And I'm really, really impressed by the direction from Gavin O'Connor because the script while good, I don't think would be carried by a lesser cast or a lesser direction job by, you know, I'm sure other directors could do it, but Gavin O'Connor really stepped up to the plate. He totally knew how to let the actors take over the scene, drive the story and Joel Edgerton uh, Tom Hardy and Nick Nolte just totally drive this movie and make it what it is. Going on the scene you were mentioning, Malika, where you see Tommy's soft side when his father relapses in the hotel room and when he's trying to console him in his alcoholic stupor and lays him down in bed, the way that he does it, I can't tell whether or not he's putting him to sleep or letting him go to sleep like he almost has him letting, in a sleeper hold right yeah. yeah because like the way that he wrestles him into the bed but he is patting his head to let him go to sleep or he's about to like choke him out i thought that was a really powerful moment in a way that you were mentioning that shows his softer side is still there that he still has that capacity for love for his father and brother whom he feels have abandoned him. So yeah, it's such a strong emotional scene. I really loved it. Something I wanted to talk about too was why I think the direction was so strong in this was how they used a lot of real life MMA fighters and real life wrestlers. Koba, the main Russian fighter who is supposed to be the big bad in the movie, but is played by Kurt Angle, who is a former WWE fighter. And, and Olympic gold medalist. Olympic gold medalist. But I feel like they did such a good job of giving the athletes in the movie 
just enough screen time and just enough acting time to be effective, but not giving them too much where they take you out of the movie and make you realize that these aren't actors or give the sense that they don't really know what they're doing on screen. It's like the perfect amount of seeming like real athletes while not taking you out of the movie and realizing they're not actually actors. Yeah, I agree. I think this is probably the best depiction of actual athletes or, you know, experts in their field in athletics on film. Usually it just feels either really out of place or the person just very wooden and, you know, doesn't really flow. But I think they did a really great job with this. Also, it's just like a comedic aside. Uh, there's no way Kurt Angle is middleweight. Can you talk about this? <laughs> yes, this seriously. is a middleweight. I wonder that too. MMA fight. I looked it up. Kurt Angle has only ever won titles as a heavyweight. Middleweight goes up to 185 pounds. <laughs> no that chance. man is a solid 220. What? Uh, I think what? Clay just found a plot hole in your favorite movie, Will. For mm. sure. Especially when you see him in the octagon with Brennan, you're like, these two are not the same weight class. <laughs> yeah. I did appreciate that they matched Brendan with him and not Tommy because like, I feel like Tommy could have easily taken him, but I loved they put the underdog against the guy that they thought was going to win the whole thing. So that was a really interesting choice. Yeah. And he used physics. Yeah. He used physics. <laughs> he used physics. <laughs> yeah. I think what I really appreciated about this movie was that it was capable of pulling off the really dramatic heartfelt moments, but also had a lot of really small comedic moments. And one of my favorite scenes was actually one of those comedic moments when uh, Tess, Brendan's wife, she didn't want to go see him fight. So she's waiting at home, like folding laundry or something. And she's very clearly trying not to look at her phone, waiting for news from Brendan. And she finally gets a text from him saying, I won. And her little dance and jump was just so cute. And it to me, it really opened up how deep their relationship was because I feel like those little things just really show you how much they cared about each other. And I really appreciated having that depiction of a partnership on screen. Obviously he would do things that she didn't agree with, but they were always there for each other. And even though she didn't agree with him going to fight again, she understood it was something he felt he needed to do. And even though she at first wasn't there for him, she made it a point to show up in Atlantic city on night two. And I really just enjoyed their whole dynamic. And I thought they did a really good job fleshing out all of the side characters, like having the principal root for him, having the kids with the signs. There was one sign that I loved that said, Mr. C is going to kick your A++, which I thought was really adorable. Um, and it was just like a quick flash on the screen, but I thought that was great. And then having, you know, the Pilar character in there to deepen Tommy's backstory and his whole marine um, life backstory. I thought they did such a good job adding in so much color, but not at any point did I feel like this movie was overstuffed. I thought it was so well balanced. And I want to quickly bring up the montage scene that comes midway through this movie because it was a stroke of genius. It was so many different storylines moving forward in a very smooth way. You could understand what was going on. Like he's training over here. He's getting faster. He's running up the hill faster. He's over here doing this. The wife is here. She's paying the bills. Like all of these different storylines, the Marines are starting to watch him. Like all of these things happening. And it was just so smart. It tied everything together and moved the story forward without being like, oh wait, what's happening over here? What's happening over here? What's happening here? It never felt schizophrenic in that way to me. Yeah. Hot take, best movie montage since Team America. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God, I do love Team America. Yeah. <laughs> we need a montage. I Sorry. think it's such a stroke of genius that 
in the montage, such a huge critical piece of the plot happens and it doesn't feel like you miss anything where Brendan is at the time, just a low fighter training with Frank Campana, his trainer and the main fighter gets injured. And over that course of time, Brennan proves that he is worthy of taking his spot in Sparta. And Frank agrees to let him fill in the empty spot. All that happens over the course of a montage while there are two other storylines going on in the montage. Yet it doesn't feel unjustified when it happens. It doesn't feel like you're left in the dark as to why he decided to do it. It all is shown as just a piece of this montage. And it's so effective. And you find out that Tommy got into a Sparta tournament in that montage as well. And he's like, okay, cool. (laughs) Moves on. Oh man, Tommy had some really great moments. Uh, Great, great, great acting by our boy, Tom Hardy. Couldn't agree more. So Will, I know that you have been waiting for me to ask this question, but what, if you had to pick one single scene, what would you pick as your favorite? I think my favorite scene would be the fight between Koba and Brandon Conlon. And it's kind of because it exemplifies the most what I think is truly special about this movie, about how they are able to add so much color and characterization to our two main characters through their style of fighting, through the fight scenes. You know, a lot of really great sports movies you get the characterization as the backstory or the sidebar to what's actually going on in the fight. But in this movie, you learn more and more about the characters through their fighting. You know, Tommy is this brutally savage and strong person who each of his first fights end immediately. He just goes in and knocks him out and exit the stage without even acknowledging that it happened. Where every single one of Brendan's fights He is behind, he's fighting on the floor, he's grappling, and he somehow manages to bide his time, use patience, and find the exact moment where he knows he has an advantage and strikes. And that like really adds a lot of color to who these characters are as people. And it's so effective in the Koba and Brendan fight. He's getting his ass kicked by Koba the entire time. He's somehow managing to stay in the fight and not get knocked out. And then in that final round with Koba, though a tad unrealistic, they make it believable that Koba's tired. He doesn't usually last this long in fights. They mention he never goes past one round and they're in the third round with Koba. And he's able to find that moment where Koba's tired and weak and use his strength against him to get him into a leg lock and take him out. And his celebration afterwards is such an exhilarating, Oh, it's I'm sorry. I'm having a hard time coming up with words because I think it's so powerful. Just his exaltation when he finally beats Koba and makes it to the final match. It's And a uh, lot of movies would end with that scene, right? Like where you beat the guy that everyone thought was going to win and scene. But instead, it keeps going and it brings it all together and it makes this movie more about 
a family and their dynamics and these two brothers and all the pain that they felt in their lives than just the sport, which I loved. But Will, I want to go back to something you just said, because the point about their styles, their fighting styles, revealing a lot about who they are, it almost is a analogy for the way that they live their childhood. Tommy's the one that left with his mother. That takes tremendous strength in itself, but he's the one who's like, I'm done with this situation. I'm going to leave. And Brandon's the one who stays and he fights. He's the one who's on the ground, knocked down, but he always gets back up. And I thought that was a really subtle way. They never beat that over the head. Until you said that, I didn't notice that connection. And I think that's a lovely layer to add to this movie. Yeah. And when you think about just how the movie is broken up, the majority of this movie is about the actual competition. And you still learn so much about the characters through that competition. So obviously we're all pretty big fans of this movie. And one of the other things that I really liked was the script. I thought there were some really smart moments, um, really great dialogue, a lot of clever one-liners. And my favorite quote is actually one of them. It's a conversation between Tommy and Patty when Tommy has decided to fight and he wants Patty to come train him. And Patty had trained him before. So this is kind of like a reunion of sorts. So Tommy is taking some sort of pill and is pretending that he isn't. And Patty says to him, you sound like a goddamn maraca coming through the door. And I just thought it was so funny. I thought their relationship, Patty and Tommy's relationship was so well fleshed out. And those moments just like brought it home for me. Yeah. And Malika to that end, I felt like it was a very lived in relationship. You know, like you get the first scene of the movie is Tommy reuniting, if you will, with Patty. He's waiting for him outside the front door. And it's very clear the relationship is fraught. So I thought it was really great how they use the dialogue to kind of show us, not tell us the state of the relationship, how they got to where they were which was really clever. Yeah, for sure. And even in the beginning when Tommy shows up at his dad's house, the little lines that they feed you, like, oh, you couldn't find a woman who could take a beating. Okay, so you know that the dad was abusive. Uh, the, you know, There's just little things like that, little clues spread out. There's no like exposition or there's no big speech. In one line, you know exactly what's happening in this room. Yeah, Malika, I think a great sign of good storytelling, like you were saying, is being able to balance the dramatic and the comedic. Because one of my favorite quotes is one of the more comedic lines from when Sparta's ongoing and Brendan's that underdog. No one's giving him any credit. He wins his first fight. But in the lead up to that, the commentators, uh, played by Brian Callen, who's an actual MMA commentator, kind of talk shit about him. And he's like, oh, this guy, who is he? Like, he's nobody. And the other guy's like, yeah, I remember him. He used to fight in UFC. And Brian Callen goes, yeah, I remember him. I remember him being very unmemorable which I thought was such a, a really great line, but also just like, if you've ever watched UFC or MMA, it's definitely indicative of the type of tone that kind of comes with that of like, to Will's earlier point, it can be very broy, And I felt like those were tastes of that world without allowing it to take over the movie, which I really enjoyed. And I also think it adds just a touch of believability and realism that Brendan was a professional fighter. You know, he wasn't yeah, just yeah. some rando walking off the street trying to, you know, he had his experience in the octagon. So him being there wasn't a complete anomaly. Yes, it was unusual that the fighter from Frank Campana's camp that got injured wasn't going to be there. So that's how Brennan got the spot. But it wasn't completely unjustified because he had been in those situations before. Yeah. 
He wasn't like some guy just walking off the street, which is what they kind of made it seem like, but it wasn't yeah. the actual case. But that's like a little touch, right? Like he mentions it once in the principal's office and they move on from it. And like maybe the wife mentions a little bit, but they don't go deep into that. He doesn't like sit there reminiscing for half an hour about his UFC days, you know? So another point to this movie being like just having the right amount of show versus tell. Yeah, that script was lean, just like those fighters. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yes. All right, well, chomping at the bit, I see. <laughs> if you could pick, what was your favorite quote from the movie? I love the line from Brian Callen when he says, ladies and gentlemen, if that happens on the street, they are locking you up and throwing away the key. It's such a great way to describe how brutally Tommy took out Bad Dog. Like it was... <laughs> The perfect, him, yeah. I wish more lines like that happened when I was actually watching sports because it is the perfect encapsulation of what happened in that fight. But the one that always gets me is when Brendan is in that final round with Koba and he has him in the leg lock and Frank Campana, you can see him. They show him from Brendan's point of view and he's like, you break that leg, Brendan, break that leg, you break it. And he finally does it, it taps out. It's it just like pumps me up so much every time. I'm like, yeah, break that leg. So many good lines, so many good characters. And no real villain in this movie, right? It just was so well, I keep coming back to the word balance, but it was. I do have a couple of things I want to talk about before we wrap up. The ending. How do you guys feel about the movie stopping right after the tournament ends and you don't know what's going to happen to Tommy? So he might be arrested, but he did save these guys' lives. Like, did you like that? Or did you feel a little like you wanted more? I know in a lot of other podcast episodes, we've said the movies go on too long. They give us too much of an ending. But I was actually surprised I didn't see anything on the screen. No, but at the time, I thought this was a true story. So it makes sense to not put that there. What do you guys think of that ending? I actually really liked where they stopped it. Um, Kind of because of what you just said. It leaves a little bit of speculation on your part of wondering what happens. And I'd like to believe that these characters have been through so much, right? Like the physical turmoil, the emotional turmoil, that this is a turning point for them. And regardless of what happens to Tommy, whether or not he does go to jail or not, I would hope that the relationship between him and Brendan and maybe even him and Patty is going to start to heal and repair. And I'm glad that I don't see it because I want to put my own positive outlook on it. And that's the feeling that I left the movie with. And if I knew exactly what happened, I don't know if it would have been as emotionally resonant to me. I agree. The other loose end that comes to mind for me is Tommy promised his winnings to Pilar, the wife of his good friend, his brother from the Marine Corps. And I like to believe that Brennan gave some of that money to Pilar to help her family. But I also agree that it ended at the perfect spot because I don't think it matters, one. And two, if they did go into it, that it would have been a little bloated. And I'd say I don't think it matters because the point of the movie is these two brothers and their father, but their completely broken relationship at the beginning of the movie and the beginning of that healing process between the two of them. And, you know, when Brennan has Tommy locked up in the chokehold and says to him, I love you, Tommy, it's okay. Everything's going to be okay. I love you. Like that is something that could come across as totally cheesy, totally over the top sappiness. 
but it just worked so perfectly in that scene and it didn't feel like too much. It felt like it really was the perfect thing in that moment for Brennan to say to his brother who between the two, Tommy was obviously far more broken than Brendan. Brennan had that family support with his wife and his daughters and he had that love in his life and Tommy was the one who was completely kind of lost and disenfranchised from like the rest of the family and society. And it was a perfect thing for Brendan to say to him that he needed to hear. And so I don't think any other additional scene would have added anything to the movie. I think it ended on the perfect note. Yeah, I agree with you guys. And a good movie usually has you wanting more. And that's exactly what happened here. I want to give props to both Joel Edgerton and Tom Hardy here because what the scene that we're talking about, that chemistry between these two brothers, you have to remember that these two men have barely been on the screen together. I think one other scene they did together on that beach when they have that fight and that's it. And then they have to sell this kinship and they have to sell this reconciliation and they do it. And it's so, it just works. It's an emotional punch in the end. And Tom Hardy is such a physical actor, just the way he like slumps, you know, walking around. I just loved his portrayal, though there was a moment where when I was watching this movie during that last scene where Tommy and Brendan are fighting, I looked at my brother and I go, oh my gosh, this is a fight between Cinderella man and Bane. (laughs) Because you could just see these like monstrous muscles like popping out of Tom Hardy's shoulders and and Joel's not as big of a guy. Maybe he's a little taller, but like not as big of a guy. And, you know, it's similar story to Cinderella Man, just a man trying to keep his family together. But I was just like, maybe, you know what? I'm going to say that that is why I didn't cry because I was so focused on that. You were so distracted by Tom Hardy's traps. You're just like, what is going on? Tom Hardy's traps in this movie are out of control. Like (laughs) They're insane. Oh my God. So, Will, I know that you've seen this movie, what, like 15 times and you love this movie. It's one of your favorites. But is there anything in this movie that you didn't quite think hit that nail on the head? I would say two things. One, Tom Hardy ripping a door off a tank while it's underwater is just not physically possible. (laughs) That's a rock move right there. There's no way that could happen ever. He's not the Hulk. He is a human. (laughs) The other thing is the whole storyline with the high school kids I could have done without. I don't think that really added anything substantial to the movie. But other than that, flawless. I have to say, I agree with your first point. I disagree with your second point. I think they could have minimized the amount of kids, but I think it made Joel Edgerton's character, I think it made... Brandon more likable and more like he wins at the end and you want to have that extra little edge to be like, okay, yes, this is the way it should be. All of these people are rooting for him. I thought that was well done actually. Yeah, I agree. Malika. I like their little rally for him at the end for the final fight. Thought that was really cute. And all their terrible physics puns on I t-shirts. I actually thought that what was going to happen though, because of them, it was almost like a red herring. I thought that maybe Tommy was going to win and the kids were like, oh, we'll do a fundraiser. And so that Brandon would still get something and be able to save his house. That is how I thought they were going to neatly close that up. But I was happy with the way they ended it anyway. So I like that little like misdirection. I don't know if you guys thought that when you're watching it, but to me, that's where I thought it was going. Yeah, I definitely agree with you, Malika. The one sort of 
nitpicky thing I have about this movie is actually Tommy's military background. So it's clear this movie takes place in the 2000s at some point. They have some references to the superintendent of Brendan School hasn't been there since 9-11. The movie is released in 2011. So at some point in that time period is when it takes place, you know, kind of the height of MMA, if you will. I don't understand how Tommy could possibly go AWOL from Iraq in the 2000s and the Marine Corps can't find him for a year. I'm sorry, what? Because he changed his last name. He can literally just go to any database and be like, hey, do you got a guy named Tommy Conlon? Well, did you have a guy named Tommy Conlon? Right. Boom, found him. <laughs> Nobody like, changed no, his last on. name. But the thing is that the Marines- <laughs> Yeah, it's his maiden name. That's easy That's to fair. piece That's together. Fair. What's his mother's name on his form? Oh, blank but Reardon. But it's crazy that, that all these Marines the are rooting for him and nobody's like, wait a second, did this guy actually, was he there? Maybe it was like a case of misidentification. Like you didn't actually have the right guy. I don't know. It was just a little weird. Yeah. And the Marine Corps still cheers for him after they find out yeah, he went AWOL. That. that part I was like, I feel like the reception wouldn't be as warm after that. I mean, he did save people's lives, True. right? Save your brothers. And they don't know that he hadn't admitted to going AWOL yet. They, the story hadn't come out, right? We know the audience because Tommy admits it to us. And we know that the military police are there. But I don't know if the audience quite knows what's happened beyond something happened. My final thoughts are, I think they did a good job of capturing in MMA. A lot of times a fight can be over in just an instant with someone knocking them out. And then a lot of MMA is done kind of on the floor, a lot of grappling and wrestling. Um, and they did a good job of like capturing that whole spectrum of fighting. And then my other quote, honorable mention that I really loved was when Brian Callen said, Mom, put away the China. The boys are at it again. I love yeah. that line. The commentary was really good. Yeah, one moment that I love was when one of the commentators says, oh, I wish I could be a fly on the wall to hear what Campana is saying to Brandon. And then it's like shoots to what they're saying. And I just love that quick moment. It was very clever. To your point, Malika, about how well they were able to flesh out side characters without getting too in-depth or spending too much screen time with the side characters. You take Frank Campana, for example, you learn so much about him as a fight trainer through his use of classical music and Mozart to calm his fighters and help them train and teaching them patience and waiting for the right moment to make a move. And we don't even spend any time with him as the focal point of a scene. He's always a side character. We never have to see him explaining his fight philosophy all the way through. You know, you pick it up through bits and pieces throughout the movie, which I think was masterfully done. Yeah, that's a really great point. Okay, guys, I think we're almost done here. Any final thoughts, Will? I think it's a testament to how good this movie is that... It doesn't have a lot of word of mouth. It didn't do that great in the box office. You don't really hear about it a lot, but it still made it into the IMDb top 250 list because anyone who watches it recognizes that it's actually a great film and rates it really well. So I think it's a testament to the acting and the directing. For sure, for sure. Clay? I really like this movie. I don't love it as much as Will, but does anyone? Um, but I definitely agree with you guys that it's a solid film. I do think it's a little high on the 250, 
maybe put in the two hundos somewhere. But I mean, just like we've already discussed, the strength of the performances alone make it kind of worthy of being considered. And, you know, Nick Nolte being nominated for an Oscar just shows exactly why. Yeah, agreed. I mean, there are a lot of movies in that top 250 that I don't think should be there. So if we remove those, there'd definitely be room for this movie to be on there. Um, I was really blown away how much I like this movie. It's not a movie, as I said earlier, like that I sought out or would have ever thought that I would have enjoyed. And I think it's to your point, Will, that the marketing made it seem like a typical MMA movie, just like pure man-on-man action, just people pummeling each other. And there was definitely a good amount of that, but there's so much heart and there was so much emotion that it really came together beautifully. And I'm so impressed with the acting and Gavin O'Connor's. I think he wrote the screenplay, produced and directed this movie. So it's a triple threat from him and just incredible work. Shouts out Gavin O'Connor, sponsor us. Sponsor us, Gavin. Anyway, thank you so much for listening. This has been the Cynical Pods Tackling the 250. Catch us next time. You can follow us on Instagram at Cynical Pod and follow our incredible producer, Aaron Kelly at AK.audio. Thanks again. Bye. Until next time. Bye.